of all ages it's movies that don't suck and some new my name is neil and i'm chris and today we are got a special panic fest edition of movies that don't suck and some that do we are not only reviewing a movie which is called when the screaming starts we actually have the creators of the movie connor and ed right here on the podcast with you guys if you could go ahead and just say hi to the audience hey guys I'm Connor here, the director, producer, and co-writer of When the Screamer Starts. Hi, I'm Ed, uh, the uh, co-writer, actor, and producer of When the Screaming Starts. Right. <laughs> nice. Now, When the Screaming Starts is a down-at-heel documentary filmmaker begins to follow a cinema usher and former black metal guitarist who has decided to become a serial killer. It is a terrifically entertaining black comedy utilizing an energetic ensemble. Uh, now, guys, right into this, I, me and Chris, we love this movie. Yeah, we, we were big, big, uh, big know, fans. <laughs> if I could have watched it three times in a row, I really would have. Uh, you know, but you know, you only get the one little screamer with. Well, the, I watched it twice. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, first off, I just got to ask, where did the idea? for this come from because i know you guys have been like I, I talked to you guys earlier uh you guys have been working together since 2013 it seems or off and on like is it from back then and then you guys rolled into doing this or is it just like one drunken night you guys having a couple <laughs> pints and you're like hey i got an idea um well yeah i mean myself and ed met back at drama school i think that was in 2012 um so we both trained as actors and after we graduated, we just stayed in touch, obviously, and, and started making our own work, putting on plays, short films, all kinds of terrible stuff. And uh, yeah, we made Lost and Found, which was a very, very, very different film. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, and yeah, here we are. I don't know. What has it been, Ed? Ten years later and we're still still rocking and rolling. Yeah, over ten years though, man, because it was uh, twenty eleven that we first met, so that's that's a way of making you feel old. But yeah, we um we've been talking about kind of making a feature film for basically as long as we've known each other, and um yeah, the idea for when the screaming starts just kind of kicked off from us having a a conversation um, about the kind of th stuff we wanted to make, throwing around a lot of ideas. I'd um. I just recently reviewed the Ted Bundy tapes for uh, London Horror Society sure. and kind of watching that, I kind of found myself completely fascinated by it and also massively repulsed because <laughs> it's horrendous, you know, um, but kind of going, well, what does it say about me that I'm this interested in this horrendous thing? And what does it say about us as a society that we're this interested yeah. in it? And um, kind of took this idea to Connor and, yeah, you kind of picked it up and we ran with it. Yeah, and that's understandable because if you literally, like, here in, uh, you know, uh, maybe I don't know there so much, but here in America, like, literally, I think every girl that has a boyfriend or in a relationship watches true crime documentaries <laughs> like like they used to watch soap operas. Like, yeah. uh, I know my wife, yeah. like, 
could tell you everything about everything from John Wayne Gacy to the BTK killer. Yeah, the murder. And porn. I'm just like, great, honey, I'm not scared of you at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so like putting this together, I'm gonna have to say your cast assembled is just everybody is like almost perfect for the role that you yeah, guys came up sure. with. Like, did you guys like, since it seems like you worked with some of these people before in the past, did you just think, Oh, I need to put them in this film. I need to find the spot for them. Or did were the characters written beforehand and they just added their own flair to it? Because I noticed Octavia Gilmore was in the cast. And I, we can get true. Uh, IMDb. I noticed he worked with Octavia a lot. Um, the, uh, the past, uh, you know, however long you've known her. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah. We at, we all well, most of the cast actually trained again at the same drama school, Art said. So mm-hmm. we're a little unit. There's a few of us there. Mm-hmm. Jared as well, who plays Norman, one of the producers. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and the tour, Octavia Gilmore. You know, we 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 just all stayed in contact and made our own work together. And um, so yeah, there's a there's a little collective of us that came out of Art said. We all stayed in touch. And so when Ed first approached me with the script and he had a, a very rough draft, he had certain characters, some he'd written in with people in mind, I believe um, himself and Jared. Some of the other characters were a bit more open and we started to think, okay, how can we adapt these to the people that we know that are brilliant actors that will work for free or for very low <laughs> rates because they're our friends. Um, and people we just wanted to be around, you know, people we wanted to work with. So it was very much a luxury that we could write with certain actors in mind. Other actors outside of our drama school, we just met along the way, you know, you know, working in the industry and picked up loads of talented people along the way. The tricky, the trickiest part was actually finding identical twins because, you know, we didn't happen to have any of those lying around. I, I definitely got a question about that because, I mean, 100% shining feeling, you know, the whole time. Uh, I mean, and it, even in the movie, I think Ed's character says that he wants to come home and watch The Shining later or something like that. <laughs> uh, but, like, those two women, like, literally, like, as soon as I saw them, I was like, oh, no, it's the little girls down the hallway. Oh, so, my God. The, the, the deal is I'm an, I am actually an identical twin. So all the oh, really? stuff that in the yeah. movie, I was like, okay, yeah, I've, I've definitely I've asked questions like this before. <laughs> well, you Which ever thought a... about becoming an actor? Because you know, there's a real demand. There's not, there's not that many. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. If you ever see him and his brother in the same room, it is really kind of creepy. <laughs> like, now, how long did it take you guys to shoot this film? Was it quick, or was it a quick shoot, or like, did he have a couple of months, or? It was 12 days, wasn't it, Ed, initially? Well, I was going to say, it it both took quite a short amount of time and a really long time, because the first block of shooting was about 12 days. And then, um, yeah, obviously the uh, the pandemic uh, happened, um, and we ended up having a a bit of a break when we were doing, kind of putting together a first edit, and that gave us a bit of time to kind of reevaluate stuff think well what could we do to enhance the world of the film and so we came back and did a couple more couple more blocks of, of shooting so it ended up what well, was like a few months maybe three or four months between the first block and then when we actually got around to doing kind of the second second lot of shooting uh, so it ended up spreading over most of 2020 yeah oh, so, I mean. uh, so you guys you guys filmed this other pandemic 
Yeah, well, initially we filmed just before um, we had yeah. that was the that was the script, but we always had in mind mm -hmm. that we were gonna because of the format being a mockumentary, we knew that yeah. we could you know extend certain bits, add more backstory, but mm -hmm. we wanted to get the cut together first. But then obviously COVID happened, as Ed, as Ed said, so we couldn't yeah. we couldn't do that. But we in that time we got a whole cut together, and then we could look nice. back at different scenes. So it was a real luxury, actually, in a way. I yeah, think that's it, true. In a weird way, that was the one silver lining that came out of, of COVID for us. Now, um, a question we both have, because we, we're big music guys. I work in uh, radio here. Uh, Chris actually does. He has a, a record uh, vinyl uh, podcast called Record Bar. Um, record Night. <laughs> record Night. I'm sorry. I, I had a very long day yesterday, guys. I, I worked a 420 event for like 16 hours yesterday. Uh, so, like, I, I, I'm nice. sitting here just drinking water to recuperate. Um, but anyway, um, coffee down, you mate. <laughs> I got tea. I don't. I don't drink coffee. I'm a no, tea guy. Uh, but um, anyway, so um, are you guys into black metal, or did you just bring that aspect in there to be part of your main characters? This was just this. Oh, Connor loves this, <laughs> this was just Ed excuse to live out his lifelong ambitions <laughs> this was all just a ruse this whole film was basically so that ed could just do I that because I, I love that music video i thought it was yeah, so great we really enjoyed making it yeah oh, man that was amazing <laughs> yeah i mean i i i really like i really like <laughs> metal um and i really like black metal as well and uh yeah it's kind of the same you know it's not like we made this film purely so I could get, a, you know, my brother and me could make um, like a black metal track and we could make a music video based around it. That's just a nice <laughs> offshoot of making this film. But yeah, no, no, we, um, you know, we spent we spent a long time kind of working on that, on that kind of side of of, of Aiden of of my character, um, and it was kind of stuff that we'd had ticking along in the background. But having this little luxury thing of Reevaluating stuff when we put together the first edit, yeah, we kind of pushed the uh, Aiden's black metal past, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, uh, just an excuse to do kind of a loving homage uh, to <laughs> terrible black metal videos. Yeah, yes. uh, growing up in Texas, my friends my friends are all into that sort of stuff. So you know, I've been listening to Gorgoroth and Imperial for a long time, Dark Throne. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, when I when I was a when I was like fifteen, I was a lead singer of a band called Ragnarok, and we nice. were like we thought, yeah, and this is like before you know the Thor thing and stuff. I mean, this is like ninety four, ninety five, and like believe me, if I could tell those guys from back then to see this, they would laugh because I think we made the same exact video at some <laughs> point on VHS. <laughs> I'd love to see now, that. Yeah, I'll have to see if I can dig it out. Um, now. Now, was it always when when writing this movie? Was it always going to be the mockumentary, or did you guys originally going to have like just a story about somebody becoming a serial killer, and then just made it into the mockumentary format um, after thinking it through a little bit? I think it was always, I think it was always kind of mockumentary stuff that we were talking about when we, when we first discussed, you know, the the characters. It was initially just going to be this kind of short between myself and and Jared Rogers, who plays plays Norman, the documentarian. 
and and it was going to be just him interviewing Aiden. So it it always kind of had its roots in in mockumentary, and I mean it's just got the kind of benefit of being um a little <laughs> kinder uh, to independent filmmakers who haven't got a huge amount of money to make a film. Uh, no, because the know. format I think works out great yeah, for the perfect. two of you and. And to be honest, we're both fans of you know like what we do in Shadows and you know other mockumentaries, even like the that good well. Christopher Guest stuff. So, like this is yeah. tab. <laughs> and um, and Connor, I noticed like uh, going back, I I watched a lot of uh, actually in the last two or three days, I watched a lot of your shorts and stuff. I noticed that you're really good at using like negative space, like in your filming where like you'll have like an actor just just like barely a little bit on the screen and having all this like negative space tell more of the story and stuff now is that influence come from any director in particular or is it just something that you've always been drawn to i think it's just working with dodgy camera guys to be honest (laughs) (laughs) um to be honest it's not something i've actively thought about um i'm normally someone who does storyboard like in my previous previous short films i've gone through Mm -hmm. and i've had storyboards i would refer to work with the dp that way um you know but always willing to chuck it in the bin and and just go with what's happening in front of you this film did not have that luxury you know the format itself it was very free our our dp Mm -hmm. cinematographer adrian musto he was you know, he, he's grounded in documentary filmmaking. It's one of the reasons we wanted him so badly for this job, because he's used to that run and gun style, working with what's in front of him. So we really incorpor- incorporated that style into the filming, which gave us a lot of freedom. But, you know, it was um, mm-hmm. it was a case of rocking up on the day and sort of winging it, if I'm honest. There were certain set pieces with stunts and blood effects and stuff, which had to be more carefully planned ahead. Yeah, but- sure this was you know we were with the producers and wearing so many hats and it all happened very quickly so it was a case of just just rolling with it each and every day now um i got i gotta ask this question because uh I, I have a deep heart feeling for this man uh do you two hate mickey <laughs> i know I, I felt so bad for him i i saw him in forever eddie and i went to forever eddie i was like man uh, that guy's such a dick <laughs> and then, um, then seeing him in uh and then seeing him in this i was like i have such a hard you know i'm like poor mickey i just want to give the guy a hug at the end of this film <laughs> i think that's a testament to to rob tofield who plays mickey because he's he's a phenomenal actor he's really really great and again we just knew we had to put him in this film somewhere after working with him for the first time with Forever Ready. Yes. Yeah. Just like any opportunity to get him in a film. And, you know, that will be the case moving forward, I think. <laughs> now, uh, see, when I think of Mickey, I think of, um, and it, what what it kind of reminded me of was like Peter in uh, Deadpool 2. <laughs> you know how like he's there with a group of superheroes and he's like, okay, I'm just here. Okay, I'm just going to go home now. Bye. You know, like it kind of reminded me of that character a little bit. And I, I really loved it. They, they, I, it's If it was or not influenced by that, it was just, man, it was really a good part of that movie. Um, now, um, like I said, researching your background, uh, both of you have done a lot of different shorts and stuff like that. And Connor looks like he had a little bit more on the acting side before directing. Now, are you guys looking to 
be more writer directors coming up in the future or are you looking to more taking more acting roles like what part of the aspect of the filmmaking process are you guys looking to dig your you know dig your claws into a little bit more um well for myself i it's always been something that i've done in tandem um I, yeah i've always acted and created films written directed edited you know it's for me it's all part and parcel of the same thing it's all storytelling and i think now moving forward for me it's more a case of what role suits me and i don't mean just acting roles i mean you sure. know director producer i just worked with um yes in the tour in a short film i was a producer on that one and a first ad um I don't want to say jack of all trades, but certainly there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of plates that are spinning. So for me, I'm I'm open to all these opportunities, and you know myself and Ed are constantly developing new scripts and ideas. So writing and directing is certainly on the cards moving forward. Yeah, um, for myself, it's it's really it's acting and acting and writing kind of is kind of the same. We've we've always done this stuff um, in tandem. We've, we're always working on something, always writing, always looking for the next kind of project. Because that's kind of what was drilled into us at, at drama school: is you, you make your own work. You, you don't wait around for for someone to offer you a sure. job. You create that job, and opportunities will come from it. And that's yeah, that's kind of what we've been doing for the last ten years or so. Which is oh man, I don't don't reflect sadly. It kind of sadly. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I guess that's what we've been doing for ten years. It's really been ten years. <laughs> Feels like twenty. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's, it's been said, yes. I swear. <laughs> um, now, um, are you guys uh, going to be working on anything uh, like this movie? I, I swear, I, you guys need to push this to the moon. I don't know how many more festivals <laughs> you guys have, but uh, is there going to be, do you think there's going to be any like theatrical release of this anywhere? Is there gonna, this going to be on VOD anywhere coming up soon? Or any kind of way for mass audience? Because I'm telling you, I've been speaking this movie up to like everybody I've talked everyone, to. Everyone I talked to is like... In like, the last what? week or two. <laughs> and I got so many people. that I could go rent a movie theater right now with a screen <laughs> and fill that thing up <laughs> with people that want to see this. So um, have you guys got any process of putting it out there a little bit more? Yeah, well, firstly, thank you guys. Much appreciated. And, you yeah, know, no problem. Please do keep the good word of mouth <laughs> coming. You know, it really does help. Um, yeah, we're, we we have a sales agent and we're just uh, currently finalizing our distribution deals in the UK and the US. So, um, you know, there's still some variables to be discussed, but it's, it's looking like it's going to get a very wide release. Awesome. And um, yeah, we're very excited to, to bring it to everyone. Um, and, we'll, you know, we'll be uh, in Cannes as well. Oh, nice. For the market. Nice. Okay. So looking more internationally. But yeah, we, we you know, when you make these films, you want as many people to see them as possible, as long as yeah. it's not on Pirate Bay or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which it is not. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> so um, coming up with like uh, your your main actor, because uh, you you who wrote? Okay, what's the best way to state this question without sounding like a complete moron? Uh, okay, so. <laughs> The two of you guys uh, were both writers on, on this film, but like Ed, did you write more for your character than like more or the other characters? Because your character just seems like has a sensibility to it that if you, I feel like if you're the writer for that character, you'd have to be the writer for it throughout the entire script. I mean, that's kind of what I get a sense for. 
I mean, it was... I think one of the things we've talked about when we talked about writing this is that it's really hard to know wh- where, which bit of it was, was Connor, which bit of it was me. It's very much this kind of collaboration. We were throwing ideas back and forth. Uh, Connor kind of came down to the nursing home where I work. Um, so we'd be kind of running kind of scenes together with, with Jared as well there, kind of coming up with ideas um, while I was answering the phones. And um, it just kind of, it built up kind of organically from that. Then, you know, I might go away and kind of write stuff down, throw it over to Connor, who'd then send back a load of ideas and dialogue and scene ideas. So it's really difficult to know what, you know, I don't think we'd be able to go through it now and go, yeah, that was my idea. That was your idea. It's this kind of weird because <laughs> I mean, most ideas they don't come out fully formed it's monster, like um, right? you know well, there'll be a really terrible version of no, a joke no. and then we'll refine it and Ed will say something and then it'll go in a completely different direction and by the time we've got something on the page it's like yeah what? <laughs> it's just a merging of warped minds a horrible mutant so uh, I wanted to mention I know the listeners can't see this but I do see a whole shelf of seeing books right behind you so uh, if you say this it's great the entire works of Stephen King (laughs) yes when when you talk about developing a character it didn't so much develop a character as just played himself (laughs) I mean I do remember that I had like an idea of how Aiden was going to dress and it was kind of very much the more going along the the idea of like how Ted Bundy used to dress and Connor was like no 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 you're going to wear your own clothes <laughs> it's going to be your horror t-shirts it's going to be your shirts I mean it was very cheap to get that <laughs> wardrobe for Aiden because I mean I've been building it up for then, years I mean and on top of that um, which is funny because you mentioned Ted Bundy there's each I said part in this where uh, your girlfriend in the film actually says you know you should dress more like Ted Bundy or something like that. So was that actually from that aspect of that, from you guys having that earlier conversation? Oh, yeah, I'm is trying to remember. Um, this is the thing, it's like... Sorry, Ed. Do you guys not remember your own movie? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 it's no. many, many moons ago. It's, it's, it's so hard remembering the, like, the writing of it. All right, yeah, we'll go over yeah. that part. Um, um, but, I mean... It, yeah. Now there are a bunch of great like one-liners in this movie. Like I, I literally wrote down like a whole bunch of them because I thought they were just hilarious. Because uh, <laughs> like one of them is like, uh, yeah. "Aiden is the next Charlie's Manson." Yeah, but not racist, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, like that was just like that one made me like seriously. If I was drinking some, I would have spit it out at that moment. Um, now, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you said earlier um, that you changed uh, during the, you know, having all this extra time to edit and change stuff. It, it, were there any scenes that you took out that maybe you're like, man, I wish we could have gone back to that and added that? Or is there anything like, like your twist ending? I'm not going to, we're not going to go on spec on what it is or anything like that because anybody that listens to this i want them to see the movie and see that own aspect was that something like originally in the script or was that like was there like a a way that like aiden walked away from this better in life how about that we definitely had an alternative ending initially from my memory anyway ed um yeah again it's hard to yeah someone got yeah. tied to a radiator yes, exactly 
Someone got tied to a radiator and yeah, had to like. There was a few oh, swords. There's definitely a reference to saw. Um, but yeah, we, we we changed it quite a bit. I mean, I, I don't know if there are any scenes I miss now they're gone. At the time, there were some cuts that went, and you know, especially when they're friends that have shown up and worked on this film, and then you've got to cut their scene. There's nothing. Oh, no. There's honestly nothing worse. Um, but yeah, some hilarious, hilarious scenes. And it wasn't down to their performance as well. You know, like they did, it wasn't down to their performances either. They did kind of really cracking stuff, but it was just about kind of getting the, getting this story the way it needed to be told. And yeah, unfortunately that involved losing stuff that we absolutely loved. I mean, we had hour long conversations where I'd be trying to save a scene and you'd be like, no, we've got to go. And, you know, vice versa. And it's, you know, hopefully nothing that we've removed. Um, no. Kind of, it, our friends don't really talk to us, us I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you guys had a, a long time to work on this thing to do the camp pandemic. Was there anything that you shot was sort of off the cuff? How loose was the script when it came to that aspect of it? It got a bit of lag there. Sorry, what was that? Uh, I was uh, asking, uh, was when filming this, was the was a script loose, or did you guys have a, a, you know, a place to improvise when it came to that dialogue yeah. in um, in your actions? It was definitely a mixture. We we um we normally filmed the script pretty much how it was, you know, mm -hmm. line for line, and then once we had that in the cam, we'd we'd open it up a little bit more to a bit of improvisation. Um, and we had some great, great moments from from characters just just going with it. You know, some gold really came out of those moments, and it's fun because, especially as the film went on, people really mm. just knew who their characters were. They really right. embodied them. So, at that point, you can just point the camera, and they are that person. Like uh, I think I mentioned it on another podcast recently, but the party scene was a real example of that. That was a very short sequence. It was like they have a party. And obviously we got carried away and we just like had a wild time. I think we all needed it. It was like a hard shoot. We were just, you know, <laughs> eating all the snacks and just filming <laughs> madness. Obviously there were a few bits that were planned or even on the day we said, oh, we could do this. It wasn't just completely natural. But, you know, it, the actors really, really owned their characters, which was so fun and a real joy as a director. I know, like even uh, looking like I was looking at the IMBD of some of these uh people that you had in the movie and some of them like uh Catherine for that played Julia she looks nothing like her character in like anything else <laughs> like it, so it's like for them to be so uh into the character so well that I could see them as a completely different person than what they look like normally I think that that just calls in volume a testament to, to, to yeah, it's yeah a, a testament to them yeah they did a fantastic job and I would consider casting them again how about you, Ed? <laughs> yeah, one or two. Yeah. <laughs> at minimum, at minimum. Now, um, after, after this movie gets done and it's out and it's released and all the above, are, are you guys thinking about working together again on writing some scripts? Or are you guys got some solo you projects just, coming out? Like, yeah, you guys, or you guys each just hate each other and you just don't ever want to see each other again? I think like, we've well, had enough time apart, I mean, enough time apart to, you know, maybe, maybe oh, work yeah, yeah. something you're not, you're, you're not getting rid of me. We've been working on something today, actually. Yeah, we've got a couple of irons in the fire, uh, various various ideas, and yeah, very exciting. And 
looking forward to, to getting another project off the ground soon, hopefully. Are you guys sticking to horror? Do you want to do you want to branch out to all genres? Well, Ed just keeps trying to rope me back into horror. I wasn't a <laughs> horror guy initially, but Ed's always on my case. Well, like, I mean, <laughs> I, I I have a kind of life ambition, which is to make Connor a horror icon. You're, and, the, um, you're the next John Carpenter, I... man. <laughs> so I will do everything in my power. He doesn't care to about anything you... else. That's his only goal. It's going to be Wes Craven. Because well, Ed, you're, you're if, uh, after uh, during my research, I noticed <laughs> you're, what you were part of a horror podcast where you reviewed horror movies. Uh, you're part of the London Horror Club. Um, so like, uh, that you're, you're, like, you're, you're like you're like every time I pulled up your name, like googling you, like literally it had something to do with horror and with the H, not the W. So that's good. So <laughs> so well, what are your favorite horror films? You, had? you picked me top five. You had that ready for you. Oh, okay, top five. Okay, no, no particular right. order because that's just insanity. But there's got to be Silence of the Lambs and Scream have got to mm. be in there. Um, Get Out, I think as well. Um, oh, last two, I'm going to throw in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and a little, a really weird kind of Australian horror okay. called um, Hounds of Love, <laughs> which is. Just the yeah, most tense, that... like it's horrendous to watch, but in such it's such. We're, we're, we're film geeks here, yeah. so believe me. We, I, I've seen. Have yeah. you seen that, Chris? No, no, I actually want to check this out as soon as I get in here. Yeah, he'll check it out. Probably, he literally has like a theater in his basement. Yeah, I do. I'm not lying. The guy, the guy is set. set. Yeah, so like, oh, believe me, we're we're cinephobes as much as you possibly. Cinephobes? Is it cinephobes? What C- is it? Cinephile, dude. Cinephile? Whatever. And they all sound weird to me. Whatever. I don't... I don't... Words in English. I don't know that. I don't know that well. So, uh, Connor, do you... Um, do you have influences as a director, or are you just sort of your own person? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely have, have influences. Um it's a strange one because sometimes you find yourself going down certain paths, uh, as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, like I've made films that are very different tonally to this. Um, sure. you know, I think that's part of maybe starting out, you, you're trying to maybe find your style, but then equally, I don't always want to be fully just attached to a style like me, myself and Ed have a really quite serious, dark horror film with a bit of social commentary going on. It's not funny at all. Sure. Like that's sure. one we're developing at the moment. So, in terms of directors, I mean, obviously, it's all the icons, I can say, and, you know, the Tarantinos and the Edgar Wrights and Scorsese's. Um, you know, for this film, obviously, we're influenced by, you know, what we do in The Shadows was definitely a big reference in The sure. Office. So <laughs> No, some... really? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you're influenced for that specific project, if that makes any sense. You know, you start, oh, it depends on the research and, and, and the world you're trying to create. I mean, if I was to, you know, make a sci-fi, I'm sure I'd be delving into Kubrick and Lucas and whoever else. Oh, I mean, you did a great job. We loved this film. I mean, you were big, big, big fans of it. And uh, when that was, yeah, like you're saying, I was telling everyone I know about this movie. <laughs> and so, um, it's thank uh, you. Yeah, we love this thing. Uh, so That's... when it came to challenges in this film, what was probably the biggest challenge to overcome when you were making this? Well, I think it was a. Uh... COVID-19, to be honest. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> that was a big one. That was the real toughie that really? came out. That was a hey, thing? 
I came out of nowhere and pulled the rug the rug from under yeah. our feet. Um, yeah, I think the plague. Well, yeah. other than that, I don't know. I think it was, I think it was just wearing so many hats. Um, sure. We, we we you know it was, it was a very low budget film, so we had to oversee a lot of different departments, like even the costume and. Um, props like we had someone designing the props but then we'd be responsible for them we'd be loading up a, a van in the morning well all the props costumes food like it was you i came to learn that actually directing was the easiest part it was the producing and all the other roles that were filling my brain at the time um so for me yeah it was just just wearing a lot of different hats and trying to balance everything yeah i bet yeah definitely it was just it was constantly like spinning a load of plates and like as Connor was saying you know there was no time like for Jared and myself the acting side of it was there that was fine because we, we knew we could do that it was the keeping the rest of the plates spinning that we weren't you know we haven't had experience at so it was kind of learning on the job you know which is interesting yeah see now I actually had a question earlier that I was going to ask you, but then when I found out that the whole aspect of Aiden was actually based on just you, Ed, and the the question was going to be, what do you love most and what do you hate most about the character that you played? And I don't want to do that now because I feel like if I ask that question, that's reflecting yourself, <laughs> and I don't, and I don't. What do I really hate about myself? <laughs> this is getting deep. This podcast. Um, yeah, I know it's got really <laughs> deep. I, I think I can do that now. <laughs> what I really like about all of these these interviews is that Connor always finds a way of kind of making it seem as if Aiden is me, um, which I appreciate. That's that's nice that you just kind of like throw me. Well, that's my us. sole um, mission in life, Ed. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I suppose it's the thing that I like about Aiden is that he's very passionate about stuff. Um, you know, whether that's his, his music or his films, his horror. Um, I think the thing that I hate the most is that, I suppose it's that fanboy sure. thing that, you know, we, we've talked, you know, a, a lot, Connor and I have talked a lot about kind of true crime and serial killers and the research for this. And, um, yeah, that that kind of glamorizing uh, of, of serial killers that that people can do. It, it, you know, I'm, you know, I, I clearly love horror. I've got an interest in in true crime, but it's when people cross that line from finding something interesting to kind of idolizing it. I think that's what I what I hate the most about Aiden, not myself. Yeah, that was a really cool aspect because uh, there definitely is a community out there that like love serial killers and like like do glamorize them and that 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 was an interesting concept to include in the film uh, itself so uh, i appreciate that for sure because while there's a lot of comedy in this there's like a lot of social commentary even in this comedy film um so i i i mean i i, I loved it i really did so yeah i mean like i said like um people i know are all a lot of people i know like the women in my life literally all watch true crime documentaries and stuff like that um constantly and of course therefore i have to watch them constantly because you know if i complain then i'm divorced uh, so, <laughs> like, so, you know, so um 
Now, did you guys like go and watch like A and E and Discovery Plus for like ten hours and just be like, "We'll take something from that, that, and that, and that," or like was it just the fact that you just saw the reflection of uh, how people in society have just, just I mean, because be honest, like I think it. Wow, I just think I came up with this in my head. Uh, I think <laughs> like like I think it's a reflection of actually like kind of like the pandemic because during this pandemic, I think this all became more swelled to the point that now nobody has nothing to talk about except for what they saw and whatever streaming platform they were watching that week because we're not really, we didn't go out for two years, we didn't go do things for like two years. So, do you think the reflection of this film had the overwhelming? love for true crime documentary probably came out of that and then it just so happened that we're all thinking that it is a part of society now now i got really deep there that was yeah, a deep that's... question i am so i am not a deep guy guys i'm <laughs> this took a I'm real a turn from us talking about black metal guy. yeah um <laughs> i mean i i think people have always been interested by by true crime you know this as i was saying connor and i have talked about it a lot and um it's I think just over the last few years it's become kind of a, a really massive thing you know you've got loads of streaming services that have these kind of documentary mini series about this serial killer or that serial killer and I suppose the thing with the pandemic is as you were saying like we watched a lot of of stuff on streaming services and so it just maybe pushed that kind of interest that people had in it to to an even greater degree because like you're saying, you know, there's nothing really else to talk about other than what you what you're watching. Um, but I think, I think I, as a society, we I, I we think are just, interested. I think just really quick, I would have to say I'm glad that you guys went with the true documentary, true crime, you know, way, and not the Joe Exotic way. Because if <laughs> I got to hear about that guy anymore, I live in the state where he's from. <laughs> I, I've actually, I've actually I don't met need him. to hear about that ever. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually met Joe Exotic, and I have pictures of him on Facebook of before he was crazy. Or before, he's always crazy. No, he was always crazy. Yeah, yeah but before he became famous for being crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was a strange time. I mean, yeah, that, as an example, that really encapsulated that time period, didn't it? That one show, and it's like you do get these true crime documentaries that, that come out, and they, they just become part of pop culture, and it's... It is interesting, the fascination, as Ed said, that we have with serial killers. It's not like we ever wanted to be judgmental because obviously Ed's a huge fan. I'm a, a fan of, you know, true crimes, uh, documentaries and books and fiction. For me, I'm I'm not such a huge fan, or at least I wasn't before we, we got started with this film. And Ed has educated me about all the various serial killers. Um, you know, Ed would know all the serial killers on the serial killer guess who board. I wouldn't, for example. But each and every one is fascinating because they encapsulate a part of the human experience that we all probably have that in us somewhere. But it's like these people actually go out and just act on those instincts. It's it's terrifying and it's interesting. Yeah. And we're trying to poke a bit of fun at the subject. And I think it maybe will make less people not go out and do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> now, um, before we get off here, um, I... 
uh, just want to ask this question uh, just so you can help out future people sure. going into uh, making films themselves, independent films and stuff like that. What kind of advice do you have for any upcoming filmmakers that are trying to make their own independent films, trying to get their own uh, projects off the, off the ground? Uh, well, I'd say from my point of view, try and find like-minded people that you can work with. It, it makes the journey a lot easier, makes it a lot more enjoyable. And I know it's easier said than done, but, you know, it's about putting yourself out there, uh, trying to connect with, with people. And, you know, with this, again, it was a, a small team of like-minded people. And we couldn't have done it on our own, you know. Financially, we couldn't have done it just the actual logistics of making a film. So I would try and surround yourself with people um, and try and write an idea that seems achievable. I know I, I don't want to limit anyone's imagination or advise that. Sure. Right. But, you know, you can have that huge script, the, you know, the, the sci-fi blockbuster. But initially, keep it a bit more grounded. Look around you. That's what we did. We looked at what we had around us, what locations, what people, and, and we sort of tied that into this weird story. And, and um yeah, that's what I would say. You know, a lot of the really creative ideas come out of yeah. limiting yourself. Like, if you put yourself mm. and you have this sort of, like, this sort of uh, yourself, you come up with really creative ideas, and I really appreciate that when people are able to do that. Oh, definitely. So. I think it, those um, limitations force you to get creative. You know, there's so many ideas that we wouldn't have come up with if we did have a bigger budget, for example. Sure. I mean, you, you know, sometimes using the Seven Eleven on the corner is a lot better than trying to make your own convenience store in a garage to try to make it look like it. Just go ask Joe Bob. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to help you out if you just ask. That's it. Well, uh, guys, I think this has been a great conversation. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for joining us uh, here. Our movies don't suck. Yeah, we're, we're truly thrilled to have you on. Yeah, sure. yeah. We we we've talked to other directors and actors in the past, and I'm not going to say that you guys are probably two of the best, but man, you guys have been. I, to be honest, I think would be good guys hanging out, having a fight <laughs> together somewhere, because like literally, I I would I'd love to pick your guys' brains for the next twelve hours and still not be tired of it, but uh. So, everybody that's listening, the movie is called When the Screaming Starts. Now, if you cannot see it, uh, the way you can see it now is through April 30th. You can go buy tickets at PanicFilmFest.com, Panic Film Fest, and you can get a virtual ticket to see When the Screaming Starts. And I am telling you, I, we do a five-star rating. This is a 4.8 out of 5 for me. I love this movie. If, if I still owned a DVD collection, this would be a DVD I'd put on the shelf right now. Yeah, I, I'd stop buying them because they'd fill my whole house. <laughs> I used to have a collection of over 4,000 DVDs. Oh. <laughs> and, I, oh. and my wife was like, yeah. no, oh, no, geez. no. <laughs> Uh, put on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say if you got if, if you guys are ever in London, do do hit us up and we'll um we'll go for a beer and we can do another awesome. episode maybe when it's released or on our next project. Yeah, absolutely. We are we are world travelers. Chris yeah, yeah. has been everywhere, and I I've been to all fifty states and like different <laughs> and two, three, four Ooh. different. Well, I was in Ireland once, but we're not going to talk about that because I don't remember it. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah we'll, we'll go with guinness uh but yeah so yeah so um appreciate it gentlemen um 
Thank you. Again, that was uh, Connor Boru and Ed Hartland from the movie When the Screaming Starts. <laughs> Definitely look it up. If, if, if you don't see it in the, in the virtual film, please look it up. It should be coming out somewhere towards you soon. Thank you, guys, and have a good day. All right. Cheers, guys. All right. So everything you think went wrong, don't worry. We edit. Yeah. We're, we're, we're both musical guys that have been editing things for years so don't worry about anything like that it's gonna be like a five minute episode (laughs) (laughs) there there have been episodes like because usually when we do our our podcast uh sometimes we'll have a couple of beers and we'll you know because we're supporting local pubs and uh our breweries and stuff like that and uh so like There'll be times we get so drunk and we just keep recording, going live, or, or we'll forget to hit record and just go. Yeah, we'll, we'll forget to hit record and it'll be like, oh, we're like thirty minutes in, we've totally forgot about everything we we're supposed to do. Uh, That's great. Guess we got to do it again. <laughs> it's only happening. I, I do love that as a, I, I do love that as an excuse. Like, I'm, you know, any, any time to have a beer. Yeah, I'm, I'm just supporting my local brewery, so. Uh, I'm a real Samaritan. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys got a couple more gigs today for interviews and such? Uh, No, I think that's it for me in terms of, um, in terms of interviews. We had some last week and we've got some more coming up, but, but that's it today. I want to thank you guys for spending your evening with us. I know, I know it's a, uh, probably seven there now, or is it six? Uh, seven. Yeah. 20 past seven. Oh yeah. So yeah. Thanks for being on. So here it's uh, one thirty. I'm about to go get showered up. I got to go work. Uh, have you ever heard of Nathaniel, Ratcl- Nathaniel Ratcliffe and the Night Sweats? They uh, son of a bitch, give me a drink. That song. No. All right. Well, they're a really good blues band here in uh, uh, in America. They hit the charts and stuff like that. They're like bluesy rock. And so I got to actually go work that concert until yeah, like I, midnight. Tonight. I'm actually on my lunch break right now. Right. So, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he, he's got to go back to work as soon as we get off the air with you guys. Um, so, but... I do appreciate it, guys. Thank you for doing all this. Uh, we'll put the word out, and we'll get us there thousands of followers. And like I said, can't wait to see whatever comes from you guys in the future. Yeah, we're super Seriously. excited. About it. So we're thanks so much excited. for being on. Like, uh, yeah, we're we're truly thrilled to have you guys on the podcast. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Much appreciated. And yeah, stay in touch. And oh, yeah, cool. we'll uh, we'll speak to you again. I'm sure. All right. All right. See you guys. Thank you, guys. You you guys are free to go at your will. Thank you, guys. <laughs> have a good day. Cheers, gents. Have a good one. All right, that was our interview with Connor and Ed of uh, When the Screaming Starts. That was a fucking great interview, dude. Yeah, talking to Connor and Ed was just a great time. Uh, We were really, really excited to talk to both of them. Uh, Connor and Ed Hartland were the writers of the movie When the Screaming Starts. We're going to give you a good, like, 10-minute review real quick, even though after we just did an interview with them, uh, it's good to do it afterwards so then uh, they can't threaten to fly here from London and beat (laughs) us the fuck up. Well, Uh, I don't think they're going to do that. Okay, this is directed by... No, 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 because we we actually enjoyed this movie. We were not going to shit on it like we do all the other movies we watch. Um... (laughs) So, uh, I'll get started with <laughs> uh, But directed by Connor Boru, so, writers Connor Boru and Ed Hartland. Uh, we, we talked to them, so you can just listen, you can guess, guess what they sound like because they were just on here. Um, but uh, read the storyline, I guess, again. Storyline again. When Norman Graysmith is invited into the home of an expiring serial killer, Adrian Mendel, 
He believes he has the subject for the documentary that will make his career. This movie is so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, there is a line to this movie that um, really, really um, was hilarious to me. And it was like, uh, no one ever remembers the victims. Yeah. <laughs> they just remember the serial killer. And I'm just like, yeah, of course. Um this is a terrifically entertaining black comedy. Uh-huh. It utilizes like this energetic ensemble, like equally they're funny, um, highlighting the modalities of everyday existence for the central anti-hero. Uh, the, the funny thing about this is just like how the characters get along so well. Dude, and everyone like it, 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 even the guy can't speak fucking English, <laughs> you know, like that guy was yeah. great too. Yeah, the guy is awesome. Like he just he couldn't speak English well, um, and he just pops in, and he's like he thinks he's there for like I think a yoga treat or something like that. Yeah, and um, by any means, man, uh, this is a movie like uh, we said during the interview. Really reminds me of what we do in Shadows, mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of that you know mockumentary of of just doing it of of a serial killer. It's a mockumentary about a serial killer. And the thing or is... Or wannabe serial killer at the very least. Yeah, wannabe serial killer. Because at the end of this, um, it has a twist. And I don't want to give that away. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to stay away from it during this whole interview. But the twist just makes this movie fucking even ten times better. Because it goes from the fun lightheartedness of what we do to Shadows to being, oh shit. Yeah. You can kind it's of, really serious yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, you do. Like, and it's not. It's not. It doesn't take you out in any way. You're you're invested because you like these characters. Um, I also want to say, poor Mickey, <laughs> poor Mickey. <laughs> oh man, Mickey in this movie. Uh, he he is a character, and in this movie, that poor guy just gets shit on more. Times I want to give a hug, man. I want to give like, Mickey in my a hug. backyard with my dogs. You know, like <laughs> the guy is just a whole like. Poor Mickey. He's such a he's such a small Poor character, but I I felt so bad for him. You know what I mean? Like like I wanted I wanted to hit, I wanted to give Mickey that family he always wanted. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like I feel like um the ensemble of this characters, and I don't know, like they said, most of these people came from their London troupe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone that they, everyone uh, knows know. each other sort of already. So that's, yeah, that that might have something to do with like yeah. how well it worked because they knew each other already. I think. I think they knew how to work together. So having these people they worked with before makes it like click immediately. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it felt comfortable. It felt like you're just literally spying in this guy's life. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like, I don't know if uh, they say that a lot of it was written, but man, if, if how this wasn't ad libbed at some points, I know just so like how this wasn't like improv, with with the feature, like I have no idea. It felt real, like, you know, I, like 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 the, the the dialogue was so natural. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So, and you know, I loved it. I loved Dead. I loved Jared. I love. I loved uh, Yasin. I loved fucking almost every character in this movie. Yeah. And, Amy, Sophie, Malcolm, Terry. Yeah. Like, everybody in this in this movie was just like, I uh. I didn't want to stop, man. This is a movie that could have been four and a half hours. I'd have been fine. This could be a series. This could be a series. And I I would have been perfectly fine with it. Um, Let me read a couple of uh, the the quotes from it real quick. 
and uh, we'll give our rating on this thing. And there's also Rotten Tomatoes on this, so. Oh, there's a Rotten Tomatoes on this? Uh, don't, wait, don't put me on that. There might be, but keep going. All right. When it comes to murder, someone always gets killed. You can be closer to a serial killer than you even realize. Our relationship is based on our love for murder. You don't want people thinking you're a terrorist when you're a serial killer with no political affiliation. (laughs) Failing Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Orphans just can't be trusted, man. <laughs> what language you learning? Snitches get stitches, bitch. I just want to know, when does the yoga start? Aiden is the next Charles Manson. Yeah, just not racist. <laughs> just not racist. And I am very excited to get a lot of good shots tonight of death. I'm going to crush you like ants crush little ants. <laughs> Come on, you peasants. I'll tell you all what it felt like when you killed them. Like, I don't know, a Tuesday? It's not your fault, Norman. Some people just don't have an eye for it. First thing you got to do is surprise your victim. My name is going to go down in the history, folks. Serial killers are never forgot. No one remembers the victim. Fucking great. Right. And I mean, that that's just some of the words of it. And this is only an hour and 30-minute movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, this is like a good, fun, like, this is something you can get done in 90 minutes, smoke a blunt, and freaking have a good time. So what's your score you know, on this? Uh, I... Easily, I, and I, I said this during the interview. Uh, if this isn't in my top ten, maybe even top five for the year, yeah. I, I, I mean, because literally, this is my kind of sense of humor. Yeah, this, this is, is this is a Mary Neal movie. Yeah. It's my heartstrings, so I'm gonna say it, and I don't want you to make fun of me. This is a four point eight for me. Okay. I fucking love this movie. This is by any means. I could not. Re- I cannot suggest this movie. As soon as this hits theaters everywhere, a streaming service platforms, they said they're, they're working on a deal. Um, whatever it hits, whatever it hits, I am suggesting this and making everybody watch this. I'm probably going to watch this movie 30 times as <laughs> soon as it hits, whatever it's going to hit. Mine's a 4.4. You know, I liked it a lot. Uh, and I, I can't wait to watch this on streaming. It was the first movie that we saw for Pankfest. And it couldn't have been a better one. It was so good. It was so funny. And it's, I think this was the third or fourth one I saw. Like after all the things you sent. Oh yeah, email. Gotcha. yeah, 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 sure. Because um, I saw a lot of the shorts, but still, um, it doesn't matter if it's first, last, third, whatever. I know um, we're we're reviewing some other movies for um, uh, Panic Fest uh-huh. that people are saying are better than this movie. Mm. I don't see how. I don't see it. I mean, I've watched a few movies now for the Panic Fest, and I love them all. They're doing good. Um, creators doing great. Don't don't feel like I'm dissing you. Um, there's just some things that are going to be better fit for other people than me. This was my fit. This made me happy. I'm probably going to think deep thoughts about this later. And, and it's when, when this when this gets announced, uh, when we find out details on what you guys can see, we'll definitely 
shout out on the show and we'll, we'll point you back to this episode. You can listen to the interview if you haven't watched it yet. But uh, we had a fucking great time talking to Connor, but we were in Ed Hartland. They were fantastic. Uh, I can't wait to have a beer with them when we go to London. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. They, they, told, they told us 100% to look them up in London. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, I cannot justify to you not only how good this movie is, but but how good Panic Fest is. Yeah. Panic Film Fest in Kansas City. Uh, we, we did an interview with Tim Canton and everybody. Uh, man, look it up for next year. Panic Film Fest. Uh, add them on Instagram, on Twitter, on everything, because they have some great movies that have come through. I mean, what we do in Shadows actually came through. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Panic yeah. Film Fest years ago. Yeah, I think uh, Ta- Andy came through there. Like, yeah, I think Taika, Taika, uh I think he, uh, I think he did an interview. He did an intro for it for Panic Fest. Yeah, yeah. And now he's yeah. a fucking movie. He's, super, mean, so he's are- a superstar now. You know, like. Yeah, these are future megastars yeah. in the making. Yeah. And it's all going through Kansas City Panic Film Fest. Definitely check it out. I mean, at this point, what more can we say? So did you find out? Is there an IMDb? Yeah, but uh, there's only two There's only two, uh, only two. two reviews, so it's 100%, but the two reviews are good. <laughs> yeah, well, good. Good, good, good. Uh, at that point, then, guys, thank you for joining us for our Panic Film Fest 2022 um, coverage. You yeah. know, a coverage. We're we're having a great time doing this. All the films there have been great pieces of art. Uh, if we differ in in opinion or what we liked or didn't like, a different yours. That's okay. That's part of America. It's part of it's part of being, you know, who we are. We're all just have our opinions and our voice. So at this moment, Chris, oh, hit that outro. Real, real quick, paintfilmfest.com. Paintfilmfest.com. Uh, Twitter at panicfest or panicfest. And uh, I think that's all you need to know. You'll find them everywhere on the internet. And 2023 should be a blast. You good? Good. Let's hit the music. Ladies and gentlemen, that's another uh, episode of Movies Don't Suck and Some Do. My name's Neil. I'm Chris. And remember, guys, anytime you're just having a good night, walking in the park, having a cool drink, relaxing, looking at the star, remember, run like hell when the screaming starts. Have a good night.